So uh, we did not have an episode on Wednesday, uh, and that's partially because, well, I mean, it's partially intentionally uh, because we wanted to take a break and allow for other voices to be heard. We were going to upload like a little blurb. Uh, I actually recorded like a little couple minute thing that I was trying to upload, but we had some technical difficulties that have since been worked out. Um, but we want to, you know, continue to address uh, the movement going on, specifically Black Lives Matter movement. I've sort of realized we haven't really said anything by name. We've been talking kind of vaguely, but I want to be very clear that we are in full support of Black Lives Matter <laughs> because what the fuck? <laughs> How could you not? Yeah, it's important to be specific about that too, especially right now, which you wouldn't think you would need to be. Like the thing that I think everyone's going to be instantly to their keyboards to say is, which I don't even want to talk about, but I'm going to just to, mm. just to clarify the whole all lives matter thing, Ugh. which is the point. That's what we're saying. It, all right. lives can't matter until black lives matter. When you think about what that's saying, it's exactly what the point here is. Like you can't say all lives matter because they clearly don't right now to the general what has become the population's voice our our group that's supposed to be creating laws that mm -hmm. make people feel safer and want to live here that's the point that's what we all want we yeah. all want to be patriotic we all want to love america right yeah and uh that can't happen until black lives matter all lives matter but that is not true for a portion of our population right now i've seen so many comics and stuff online i saw one today that was just like this guy uh was clutching his leg and he was like oh my leg and there was someone kneeling by him and he was talking to someone standing and he was like go get help and the other guy was like well what about my legs <laughs> that's that's what you sound like i i saw something that was really nice to see it was a post from a pastor and he was saying how um, even if you're religious right now, like it should be even clearer to you because in the Bible, Jesus said, uh, he was trying to shine importance on, you know, specific groups of people. Mm -hmm. And if in those points in the Bible, someone retorted with, well, what about everyone else? <laughs> it would have been like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. I don't know. That might not really work right now. Cause I can't think of the exact quotes from the Bible because I haven't been but uh <laughs> haven't been reading might it be able to edit that, out. Yep, that, that hasn't <laughs> been on your nightly reading stand um well yeah part of the uh blurb that i wanted to upload on wednesday but uh didn't was you know just addressing that we are we are two very white dudes um and uh yeah i mean i want to address that you know i i can be doing more like way more i have not used my privilege to try and help people who have not had voices and to try and amplify uh black artists and uh i mean black indigenous people of color artists but specifically right now black artists and their stories um and so i was going to recommend some art by black artists of several different trades in that blurb but uh, since that didn't really work out, I guess Gary and I will just kind of talk about a couple things. And again, I, I want to be clear, like I, I'm trying to reinvest more to pay specific attention to, um, the diversity of stories that I am paying attention to. What I was listening yeah. to today is, um, 
an artist that so many people know about and appreciate, and I know you do, but um, Kendrick Lamar is is an extreme genius with poetry and lyricism. And specifically, I know you and I kind of bonded over the album Damn, but have you listened to To Pimp a Butterfly? Yeah, I was one of those, Damn is so good. Uh, and it was before i don't know why why would you listen to his albums in the wrong order but i did because you know i'm a fool well we got into i thought it it couldn't be better than this but yeah no that that album is a masterpiece i've since fixed that and i can mostly talk about the musical influences in it like as far as like the jazz influence throughout Mm -hmm. and the different things he does with uh like I can't tell you the exact quote, but it's really relevant right now how he has a quote kind of elongate more and more as the album goes on and kind of learn the story. Things like that. I just I didn't realize he was just constantly changing up uh, how he made music and how he presented his lyrics. And yeah, it was cool because I thought damn would be, oh, this must be like this is probably what all of his his music is like. You know (laughs) what I mean? Yeah. But damn is more like personal and yeah it's, butterfly it's is like genius social commentary for, in, for, through so many different lenses yeah it's unbelievable and the production is so good still Stellar. it holds yeah. up so well it's so crisp yeah mm. I, I did want to shout out just real quick take a moment not talk too deeply about any but shout out three other musical artists while we're talking about uh black musicians uh people that i know um firstly Dr. Goon and the Daily Tribune. Um, my friend Ian is the head of that band. He's also a lyrical genius. I just think he's so good. If you're looking for somewhere to start, his song Donuts. Um, my friend uh, Greg Mike. It's all one word, Greg Mike. Uh, and third one I wanted to shout out was C.R. Mashi, who actually Gary and I went to uh, middle school and high school with. I, I actually was friends with him in elementary school. We've I hadn't heard from him right for now, a long time, but yeah, he's we been, reconnected. He's been he supporting been this so, podcast big time. And he's been so helpful specifically to me. I mean, I don't know if he knows, but I feel like he's been someone I have learned so much from in the last, just the last few days. He was on a little bit of a, I think like a Facebook hiatus. Yeah. He came back and <laughs> he came back with just so much to say and it's been so refreshing. I don't know. I feel like yeah. I even just I follow him on Twitter as well and even just like his little comments on things people are saying just make me realize what I can say because there are a lot of people in my life who I've been wondering, okay, when I, you know, I might visit back to family and friends and I'm, I don't know what I'm going to encounter, and I've been wondering, how am I going to talk about things openly with people I don't know yeah. how they'll respond? And just, he has been such a inspiration, especially in that, just being strong and having the just the right thing to say every time. I don't know. I feel so much more prepared just based on not just his music, but his voice in the community. But yeah, his music is unbelievable, too. He's been making... Oh, yeah. I remember in middle school when he was making great, like, yeah. I mean, even his poetry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, we will link uh, all those three artists in uh, the description so you can check them out. I think they're all on iTunes and Spotify. And uh, I don't know about the other two, but I know C.R. Mashi is, is on SoundCloud. 
I'm just trying to shout out the people that I can and uh, hopefully we'll continue to talk about you know people that uh, we've been checking out. Is there anyone else you want to give a shout out, shout out to? I definitely wanted to talk about just two voices that educated me a yeah. lot and just made me not necessarily changed my point of view, but helped me voice my point of view. Hmm. Uh, Trevor Noah, yeah, in a really, really wonderful eighteen. It's an eighteen-minute video. Take mm-hmm. you a second, you know, mm-hmm. and it just he touches on so many things to the point. I don't know. It's it's irrefutable. He lays it out perfectly. I would. I don't yeah. even know if I you know touching on any of the subjects now would do it justice because he does it so swiftly and brilliantly. Yeah. Uh, as well as Marquez Brownlee, a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got a big voice on YouTube. He's a tech YouTuber. So, you know, before a phone will come out, he'll tell you if you should buy it. And he's always right. Uh, He (laughs) made a video called Reflecting on the Color of My Skin, Mm. which he was inspired to make because of a article written by Neil deGrasse Tyson, who is a huge voice in the science community. And I read that article and watched this video. I would say both are essential right now. It's not just about like, hey, why is this happening? Let me tell you. It's simply a point of view that if you don't quite understand watching something like this might help you understand hmm. it's not necessarily a uh a video trying to educate it's more just a video trying to show a point of view and yeah. same with neil's article and i think both are very eye-opening they really helped me and i've definitely been a person who in the last week has looked around at all my movie posters with white people and them go on twitter and realize that like most of the directors and writers Mm -hmm. i follow are straight white dudes and Mm -hmm. it's helped me kind of realize that it's it's a system thing it's not just a oh like well if their voices can't be heard then why would i no like you have to do your part in making these voices heard and then that's the start that's only the start too it's not a solution like the thing i'm realizing yeah like uh there's nothing wrong with liking the movies that you like, but the thing is you're not going to be the the way the system is built, you're not going to be exposed to other people's stories unless you go out of your way to do it. And I have yeah, not been exactly. making that extra step. So uh yeah, uh we'll continue to talk about this and touch on it. Speaking of which, I I don't know if this is still true, but apparently the movie Just Mercy, which is uh, movie touching on a lot yeah. of subject matter that's relevant mm-hmm. right now is free and available to stream. That's right. And it was just in theaters or was supposed to be in theaters at right. least. It was one of those. So uh, there's a free movie that, you know, I'm definitely going to watch. Let's talk about that for the next episode. Let's both watch that. Um, but with this episode, we should definitely get into because we've spent some time here, some, some good time, but uh, I have so much to say about this episode. Yeah, we really jumped in quality from maybe <laughs> not the, the worst. One I hate of the worst. Using that. One of the worst to one of the best. Yeah, there you go. That's that's a you say it in a way that doesn't make me feel bad about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, without further ado, this is a new lens, a podcast where Gary and I here uh, talk about film and television and art that we liked as kids through the new lens of adults and um, amateur filmmakers. So we are taking on Avatar The Last Airbender, and we are on to episode 12, The Storm. What an episode. I 
on it. Oh, this is one of my favorites in the whole series, maybe. I don't know. I, I say that throughout the whole show while I watch it, though. I've been doing that. Yeah. But this time, I feel like I'm Ooh. being more honest about it. So maybe this will hold up as, you know what I mean? <laughs> but this uh, time, I mean. <laughs> this time it will be. So to quickly recap the episode, uh, so Aang and the gang, I love that, um, are running out of food. So they decide they need to go to a village, get some food, where they realize they're out of money. So Sokka overhears a fisherman and realizes he needs help, decides to help him to get some money and food. And in the process of which we see that Zuko and Iroh are still on their chase for the Avatar. Mm -hmm. Iroh talks about a storm coming, but the skies are clear, which I want to touch on. Mm -hmm. And um, I think uh, the fisherman's wife... At least that's who it appears to be, uh, argues with the fisherman about her joints telling her there's a storm. So there's this kind of looming presence of a storm coming, and we find out, uh, basically, in the process of the episode, Zuko's backstory. We find out why Aang was frozen in the ice, and we, uh, you know, mm-hmm. that's pretty much it. I, I want to kind of talk about it in a little more detail as we yeah. go, but that's the episode. Backstory episode, but backstory awesome. told via a compelling episode like the, the exactly story yeah it's not just flashback right. the whole time the the episode itself what's happening now and that's great the allegory of the main element of this episode which is this storm to their backstories is just like mm, it's chef's kiss so absolutely great. it is on yeah and it starts out with this this dream sequence and i love i love this like immediately with the the music the sort of spacey like kalimba and other instruments i can't quite place but they it pans down on this low like uh sepia tone angle of, yeah that of tone up is under ang's because there was that face. really heavy sepia in the jet episode a couple yeah. times yeah this is like so subtle you almost could believe it's like a sunset mm-hmm. and you're like okay is this a dream but you ju- know judging by the music and that sort of out of the ordinary angle and his you know not ecstatic but just like pleasant face i was yeah. like it's a dream immediately yeah like, he's yeah. dreaming and then, and you then it just, they reaffirm it. <laughs> Sokka on the air glider. Really makes you think. That would be a sweet, sweet thing to see. And then Big Momo. Big Dude, Momo. I love Big Momo. <laughs> I love Big Momo. Oh, and then this storm is approaching him, and Gyatso descends down, you know, in his cross-legged position. And the heart-wrenching moment of Gyatso fading like into fading into ash him. into yeah. him that's what that is i mean he's turning that's into really like dust that but got like... me and ang looked like freaked out by it you yeah. know yeah he didn't just look like where'd he go he was like oh god right <laughs> yeah he was yeah i mean he became ash he was killed by firebenders like oh god it it was just very visceral that moment to me it that, that just hit me really hard i don't know me too they really went for it and it it was ash too. It wasn't like right. a dreamy mist. Yeah. Which is like, oh, they really pull, didn't pull that punch. Yeah. The the flash of the fire lord yeah. at the very I end of the dream. I was just gonna say that with the like sound, it's almost like a static, like a, a you know, and yeah, it, it's like a sound that you wouldn't hear in that world. So it really jars you. Yeah. You know, like oh, it it gives me chills every single time I watch this episode mm-hmm. or 
even talk about it right now, I'm like, ooh, and it's freaky. It's, it's like he's got this looming presence. Mm-hmm. It's like the in the Exorcist. There's like a that's like one of the most famous little uh, flash. Right. Uh, there's kind of like a flash of a ghost in the Exorcist in the corner, and I don't know. Like I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be physically there, but even thinking about it now i'm like it could just be like a reminder that this presence is looming you know and that just done right oh man it's really unnerving oh yeah uh momo scrambling for crumbs when they empty when they like tip up their empty food bag is just classic (laughs) momo he's still holding up momo is very uh Sokka like sometimes yeah <laughs> they both just i feel like they'd be really like they'd be a good spin-off show momo and Sokka. <laughs> yeah. yeah i love i love his little aside to him he was like i had a dream too momo could talk you said some very <laughs> unkind things <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i love how they didn't give a shit like when he says it while they're all sleeping katara right. just turns and like concerns herself with ang and yeah. ang is still concerned with his dream and Sokka's just like all right, right fine he just goes to bed it's like oh the <laughs> yeah. poor guy you know yeah. and then he even uh when they meet the fisherman he like tries is like oh your friends are kind of rude and Sokka's <laughs> like yeah you know this one time and i think he's gonna tell him about the dream <laughs> right. and the fisherman's just like take this and get out of here and he's like oh he totally so Sokka just like never gets to tell that story <laughs> yeah oh man even before we hear the sailor though we we hear iroh Iroh's the yeah. first one who says that he feels a storm coming. And, and there's uh, no evidence of it. No. I wanted to, I wonder, do you think that's like his, he's, we now know he's at least somewhat connected to the spirit realm because he saw Aang fly overhead mm-hmm. on the dragon. Maybe right. there's like just this, he, I feel like he's just connected so well with the balance of the universe that he's yeah. like, oh, a storm is coming because I can feel it, you know? Right. I just know. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's really interesting. Uh, the the wife of the sailor also says she knows the storm is coming because I feel it in my joints, which, by the way, I know there are definitely other people out there who also know uh, this is a real thing. <laughs> I had surgery yeah. on my knee in high school, and literally it starts to ache this is- when a storm is coming. Yeah, this I feel like this has happened to us like in the boundary waters where we don't have access to weather app and it's yeah. like doesn't seem like there's a storm and you're like my knee's been hurting all day and we're like oh god <laughs> all of a sudden but it doesn't strike me I mean Iro is old so probably uh you know it could be probably that, that factor too, but you know. I th- this strikes me as he's like sensing it in his gut you know he's sensing yeah, he a, just... a large moment about to happen Iro is someone who has a he's in tune with that intuition that we all wonder if it's like oh am i mm-hmm. do i know that something bad's gonna happen iroh always knows right you know well it's interesting it's also related to like um i don't want to skip around too much but later in the episode uh when we're seeing the monks that uh are advising ang they're saying you know we feel in the world that the a war you know things are brewing a war is coming you know put another way very similar a storm is approaching so like they have this sense and iroh we're starting to learn has senses makes you wonder if he means more than that yeah maybe he's also referencing the metaphorical storm that's approaching oh that's a really good because that's what this this whole episode is like 
about like four different storms you know Holy it's like shit. the storm in in ang's past like his storm like him dealing with that storm of emotions yeah. uh zuko's storm of a past like as far well, as like how fucked up it is like his father also, and shit like the way zuko handles things and how he functions as a person like changes in this episode this is one of the first by the end we'll get to it yeah he this is a big step for him and maybe that is something that iroh is referencing yeah like it's almost like the eye of his storm this episode yeah or something i don't know if that's a little too (laughs) reaching reaching (laughs) um i actually just wrote down how satisfying it was to see iroh and zuko even though it's only been an episode and that says a lot Mm. about these characters yeah uh it's really really good when you can miss a bad guy yeah you know right that just i think that says a lot to how good his writing is uh both of them actually um did you notice that when they do pull up to the village ang and the gang Appa basically acts as like a ship and just floats next yeah. to the dock like a ship would. Yeah. He is the coolest. He's like sleeping in trees in the jet episode. He's floating here like a boat. Right. He survived under the ice for a hundred years. I don't know. <laughs> right. Like he's just yeah. Appa's the man. Yeah. Like Appa isn't the avatar. So him being able to survive. I don't know. That that yeah. seems like a special thing. There's an Appa moment later. I definitely want to touch on, but um. I love, uh, they overhear this argument. <laughs> He's like, I'll pay, you know, I'll just find someone else to do it and I'll pay him double. <laughs> and then Sokka says he'll do it. And he's like, you're going to pay double, right? What? I didn't. Where'd you hear that? Where'd you hear that? <laughs> um, I recognize that the voice of that sailor. Did you, I couldn't find him on IMDb. I, I, I looked him up. His name is Robert Pine. But I looked oh, through his, found him? his IMDb and I I could not for the life of me figure out where I recognized his voice from. And I was going to say about him too, it made me, something he said made me really think. The lady, his lady goes, oh, those tattoos. And then he turns and goes, tattoos, you must be the avatar. Mm-hmm. I'm just realizing, like, I've watched the show multiple times and always wondered, why doesn't everyone just go, it's the avatar, it's tattoos, every single time. Like, even <laughs> from the beginning, why didn't Katara yeah. and Sokka just know? It's clear right here. Mm-hmm. Only like old ass dudes really remember that the Avatar had tattoos, it seems like. Right. Maybe, huh. you know, maybe some people learn the story and it was passed down. But I think like based on what we talked about in I think episode two, how like the Water Tribe, uh, a lot of their stories are passed through word of mouth and passed through like literally telling stories. I could easily see different little facts about the Avatar being lost. All mm-hmm. we really know is, yeah, he was supposed to be an airbender and it was like right. 100 years ago so most people are probably looking for like a 100 year old man right you know yeah. mastering all the elements and he's just a kid with tattoos and this guy recognizes that because he's kind of probably from the first first generation that was told the story of right. the avatar you know yeah which is really cool unless not it made me also think is this guy like 120 years old and this world is like people age differently and he huh. actually remembers Kind of something to think about. Oh, yeah. He does say when they're in the storm, Sokka goes, I'm too young to die. And then he goes, I'm not, but I still don't want to. Yeah, right. <laughs> I love that moment. Um, this is the first time he experiences, like, hate as the Avatar. Yeah. It's it, the first time it, he's had someone respond negatively to finding out that he is the Avatar. Other than, like, the Fire Nation. Pretty much 
destroys him. Yeah. (laughs) It destroys him. He, he, it makes him completely re evaluate himself just because of one man. That's, Oh, well, it's heartbreaking to watch, yeah. but also essential for him as a character to realize, you know, by yeah. the end, what he realizes. But man, it's so heartbreaking. Poor kid. I think you it's know? partially because what the old man says is like exactly what he's feeling most bad about. Yeah. He's like, oh, I just, I, I ran away. He's like, you ran away. And he's like, oh, he's right. He's right. <laughs> um. Oh, the poor bastard. Yeah. He, he flies away and... Uh, Katara and uh, Appa come to meet him and this is the Appa moment I was talking about I don't know why it hit me so hard like I was getting like the klimped when uh, Katara comes in and she like (laughs) she you know has a little moment with him and then Appa comes in and like puts his big wet wet head against Aang's back and just like you know we're here for you and just something about that he was like this story would be it'd be too long to tell and it's like we're here and just this massive beast that is his closest companion just putting his forehead on his back like that just really hit me hard i don't know why wow yeah i thought it made me feel so many feelings for appa in that moment too because he looked so cute mm-hmm. with <laughs> yeah. his little like wet hair covering right. his eyes yeah. you know he genuinely looked like a dog like a, a sheep dog just there for ang yeah. It's really it's a really lovely moment. Oh, I wanted to touch on Zuko a little bit cuz we kind of went oh, yeah. down Aang's story. Mm-hmm. So on Zuko's end, he pretty badly disrespects one of his uh his officers, would you call him? Yeah. Yeah. Basically t- talking to Iroh says like he cares more about finding the avatar than the life of his crew and his right. crewman overhears it and he walks right up to him and he's like, "You heard what I said, you bastard." Yeah, and then right. walks away, you know? Like right. I don't know. Uh great to see his growth from that you know yeah um but essentially iroh uh stops a fight between the two of them in the most it it's such a realistic moment because he he walks up to them while they're burning like almost fire hands like you can tell that there's like steam coming off their hands and they're like and he like waits for the perfect moment and then simply just moves their hands Mm -hmm. i don't know it just felt so like He's so skilled. He just knew right now I can just put their hands to their sides and they'll stop fighting. And it right. felt so nonchalant. Yeah. And then uh, eventually Iroh decides to tell Zuko's backstory to this officer because the officer is kind of – it seems like if Iroh didn't step in, this officer would have started a uh, – what's the word for it? A coup? A coup, yeah, uh, essentially. And Iroh not only stops that, but he also – is honest he's mm-hmm. he's real and he tells him this, the story of how zuko um basically just made him he really wanted to join for a war what would you call that a war room discussion uh, yeah amongst yeah. generals and iroh warned him not to speak up mm-hmm. he spoke up against against something wrong which is something yeah. that i think was important that they point out mm-hmm. like even when zuko was easily manipulated by everything going on around him he still did believe the fire nation was Mm -hmm. doing the right thing in the war Mm -hmm. he knew that sending new troops out to die was wrong he has his morality is in the right place he's just being brainwashed and it's now clear that that's how it's been Mm -hmm. and then he's challenged 
let's jump back to Aang and the gang. Yeah. Uh, the the first thing we see from Aang's flashback is him teaching these kids to <laughs> do the air scooter, which is so cool. I love that. And one of them seems older than him, too, which is kind of cool. Yeah, but what? He's I think really they're all talented. at least his age or younger, because I think the tattoos, because he has his tattoos and the other kids don't, which I thought was very interesting. I think that so might be So he must just thing. be... I think so. I mean, what? I, I'm not sure why else. I think that's a signifier that to show that he because is everyone older. older than him had tattoos too. Yeah. yeah, and that must that would make sense why they're asking him for advice on doing this, right? You know, doing this cool little trick, which then yeah. became a thing they all do. This little trick that he that we've seen him do before. I like the way he actually talks about the logistics of doing it and how he had to learn to do it and how it's a spinning ball and you have to balance on it like a top like i don't know just breaking that down it's just the specific details you know it's part of uh what happens all throughout this show that that just makes things so compelling just like that and it makes sense Mm -hmm. it's like oh that makes more sense than what i actually thought it was which was just like i didn't know what that was you know and now i get it right and though uh, the whole dynamic of needing to defeat the Fire Lord um, by the end of the summer and he's a little kid is all like all the stuff being put on him too soon. That was not when all this duty was put on him too soon. It was before any of this happened. The yeah. monks sensing that war needed or, or war was coming and that they needed the avatar and telling him before the age of 16 when he's supposed to find out, which is way more time to mature and grow as a person. Yeah, to be he's able 12. To handle that. He's 12. <laughs> and they're, yeah, this is way too soon. And I, I love the sort of, um, as we go to the next uh section of the flashback that he tells with Monk Gyatso, like playing games with him and stuff. And Gyatso having the sort of um, argument with them about what is best here, what what's best for him or what's best for the world. But the thing is, if you don't, if he is what needs to help the world, what is best for him is what's best for the world. Because we need to help him develop into a person who can handle these troubles. Exactly. He gets it. Uh, I, I do want to make sure we touch on the extremely cool uh influence uh historical influence on the show of ang finding ang choosing the four toys the four relics of the avatar um and how that is literally how they determine the next dalai lama in tibetan buddhism yeah that's well i looked it up and it's a trivia fact on um the avatar wiki page and it says that's how they choose the next uh tulku lama but i i also saw somewhere else that it's the dalai lama and i looked it up and i guess um tulku refers to a lineage of reincarnations and wow so the dalai lama is like i mean i did 10 minutes of <laughs> you know wikipedia yeah. reading so i i don't know you did the 10 minutes but, i needed to but, do <laughs> <laughs> but um uh, so yeah, Dalai Lama is basically a, uh, you know, like in the hierarchy, it's a version of Tulku, like of the classification hierarchy or whatever. Wow. And that's all in uh, Tibetan Buddhism, which is so much of the uh, culture of the air nomads is taken from that. And ah, it's so cool. And it makes such a rich experience. I don't know. I I just love, I love that detail. Me too. And 
I is so th- is that I wonder if that's still a thing now because that's yeah. really cool. Oh, to and think about it, it is. And actually, uh, the current Dalai Lama, his name is Tenzin Gyatso. Did you know that? I did. I had no idea. So Monk Gyatso is is I mean, who's to say? But come on, he's probably named yeah, after the current Dalai Lama, who's been who's been so for the last several decades i think he was appointed in like 1950 or something i remember reading um but uh yeah i i just think that's so cool and there's actually a character in um there's an air nomad character in legend of korra named tenzin so when i saw his name was tenzin gyatso i was like holy shit that's so cool yeah flashing back over to zuko i love that we never see the fire lord yeah i think this episode really makes me go because before this, you wonder if that's a thing they're trying to do or if it's just like, mm-hmm. you know, or if it's just a, they haven't figured out what they want him to look like then and now they will. But no, we don't see him. And I love that. Yeah. It's just like from behind him or him in a silhouette mm-hmm. or him in the distance. So he's blurred out. Yeah. And we see how like um, they were talking earlier, the the officer or soldier or whatever who was sort of questioning Zuko was talking about how he doesn't understand respect and he was it's because of his father's teaching of respect and the agni kai we discover is with his father his father makes him fight him because it was a direct like affront to the fire lord himself by speaking out in a war meeting like that which yeah is, if anything God, can explain crazy. why zuko has the amount of emotions pouring out of him that he does that explains it. The it's scar on his face was from his father, his own dad, the Fire Lord. So unbelievable. And he has to wear up. that around. He has that is him now. You know that is his face now forever. And oh, and he he thought he he had the right instincts of respect and morality, and his father was trying to show that respect equals fear. You know. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, Mark Hamill. We get, uh, we get, he does speak, we don't see him, but we hear him. And I was going to say, Dante Basco, who, yeah. uh, or it might be pronounced Basco, who plays Zuko, mm-hmm. brilliant voice actor, by the way, oh, he yeah. literally sounds like that. He's not doing a voice. <laughs> yeah. So when you hear him at like a con, like, it's just, Zuko? you close your eyes and you're like, there he is. Um, this is his favorite episode. And he compared, I think we both skipped around on the Avatar trivia page because yeah. I found this on that too. Really great little reference for uh, trivias, facts, goofs, all that kind of stuff. The mm-hmm. cool stuff you find on IMDb, but for Avatar. Uh, it's his favorite episode, and he compared... Do, he thought of doing those scenes with Mark Hamill. He thought of it in his head kind of like Mark Hamill doing scenes with Darth Vader. Oh, and he's yeah. like, this feels very similar to that to me as oh. a voice actor, being able to work with him. And it's just like I'm in Star Wars or something. And right. that's his favorite episode just because of that. And I think that's so cool. Mark yeah. Hamill is such a legend and he brings a whole new level of oh fuck this guy can't be fucked with right. to the fire lord oh, yeah. you know what i mean oh yeah it's a whole new level now i love uh i don't I'm, I'm pretty sure we haven't seen her and i won't say her name yet because we don't know but as uh what happens to zuko happens and iroh is telling it from his perspective and he talks about looking away who he's surrounded by is zhao behind him who is smiling and zuko's sister who's in front of him who we're getting a first glimpse of smiling as it happens i'm just really glad that 
they're willing to show a character that we we assume is like okay is that his sister who is that that an important character they Mm -hmm. just show her though they don't have like a big character introduction right now they don't have her say something Mm -hmm. i'm your sister watching you i don't know like (laughs) it's just a glance and if we see her again it'll just be that much more impactful because we'll know how she reacted to this yeah this her reaction to what zuko's father does to him even if she ends up being a nobody from the village the fire nation somewhere that no one you know Hmm. cares about or whatever will still be like yeah but fuck her she reacted (laughs) like she enjoyed that you know yeah you know what i mean yeah um i love the way they talk about it once the story's completed i love how shocked the officers are saying they thought it was just like a training accident or something and uh yeah and iroh talking about how you know it's not right that this is the that that he thinks finding the avatar will like solve all his problems and put things back to normal but it gives him hope and that's something that's important and then we get these these flashback uh yeah still images dude. and the way and that, that same fades. art style as uh when Sokka's telling the yeah. the village about jet uh-huh. jet uh-huh. it's that beautiful just like, like someone took their time yeah. shading this you oh. know and the, the fading of his young, innocent face to this dark, broken teenager who is oh, just filled with rage and resentment. And and now we don't see the scar as, uh, you know, a scar. It's a um, reminder now. We yeah. see it and we're, we go, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Like, he rem- he's reminded of what he went through and just by having that that's one of the reasons this is without a doubt hands down and i know we hate these words but we keep using them over and over one of the best episodes of the series yeah. because guess what i would agree you will never if you're watching this for the first time you will not see zuko the same after this episode you will not. yeah you can't you can't after understanding especially what because of what happens next, which I'll get back to in one second, yeah. I want to talk about Aang and the gang yeah. and Avatar, uh, or well, Aang's story to yeah. Katara. I kind of said it a few minutes ago, but it is, I think, my one of my most, like, this really fucks me up inside mm. moments in the whole show, maybe in most shows. Mm. Him and Gyatso had one of the most beautiful relationships yeah. I've seen, oh. and Aang runs away. Just before Gyatso bursts into his room to say he's Aang, not gonna I won't them. let them, I won't oh. let them take you. Like he's gonna go with Ang. He was gonna take him, and they were gonna run away together. Now, I really love what Katara tells Ang, mm-hmm. but that still never takes away from the heartbreak I feel about that moment because yeah. it does lead. And it's not Ang's fault that Gyatso is killed by fire, the Fire Nation, and it's not. I don't know. There's like so much contemplation to be had, mm-hmm. but the moment alone of him walking in and being ready for him and Aang having thought that wasn't going to happen, running yeah. away already, oh. it just breaks my heart. Uh, yeah. yeah. And she says, if you had stayed, you would have been killed with the rest of the, the airbenders. And I don't know what I think of that, honestly. I don't, I mean either, because he probably would have gone into the Avatar state, right? Probably. But, and, but what if... There's so much to think, though, because, yeah. like, you know, what if Gyatso made it in time and they both fled and they both fell into the storm? I don't know. You just there. What Aang says is what actually reassures me mm. to her saying that is, you know, you're right. Like, I realized that 
there's a lot that can be talked about as far as me being there, not being there, but I wasn't, it happened. I'm here now. So I'm going to do the best with my time. Yeah. And it's just like, that is the exact mindset he needs to have. And he find and he's able to let the past go. And that's not just an important like message for him as a character or for a viewer watching the show to understand his arc, Mm -hmm. but it's an important message for anyone. Like, yeah, you need to be able to do what you can right now with what you have rather than just constantly uh, dwelling on the mistakes you made and thinking like, all right, well, I give up now. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing I can do. I already, I fucked up to the point of no return. Like, right. he's the avatar. It's his job to get back up and go. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Zuko. Okay, the storm happens and Zuko and Iroh are cross paths with avatar ang as he helps the fisherman mm-hmm. after telling his story to katara mm-hmm. and multiple things kind of all happen and it's all so cool oh man iro bends lightning oh my god iro bends lightning oh my god that <laughs> it's it incredible. makes you just it opens up a whole new world of yeah. possibilities and at the same time just that alone is the coolest thing ever mm-hmm. it's so cool and they make like a joke out of it like his frizzy hair afterwards like oh, doink doink but oh, it's like but Holy inside shit, i'm like yeah did that. <laughs> yeah and then ang does like a really dope water bending move yeah. clearly he's been practicing the shit out of that like he not only like makes three like yeah. like mm-hmm. jets of water appear they like cut these the uh the mast, the mast yeah. in half uh-huh holy crap he's <laughs> yeah. that's scary you yeah. know he could do that to a person yeah uh and then they they fly off and Zuko, uh, right before that, literally saves the life of, isn't it the dude who argues with him in the first place? Or is it a different no. guy? Him and the it's dude a diff- who he was arguing with That's saved right. the Helped person to save him. the ship. Yeah. And they exchange a look of, we're in on this. Mm-hmm. You know, we're helping each other right now. Mm-hmm. And it just, I don't know. It's, it is a moment of growth for Zuko, for sure. But it's also a moment of clarity for the crewmate or the crew member who definitely thought he was just scum yeah now he knows like okay this dude has a heart yeah after hearing his story after seeing this now us as an audience and that guy both know like he's he's a good person somewhere Mm -hmm. you know and they save Uh, him and then they save him after zuko seeing the avatar fly by oh was it after i reversed it it on in my notes so yeah he lets him go. Uh, and I he literally think, yeah. chooses the other way around from what he Which said. Which is just crazy because Zuko did not hear the whole recap thing. Like he was like meditating by himself, looking mad, but like meditating by himself in his room and uh, probably Iroh's thinking about acts. the interaction that he'd had. And exactly. Iroh's yeah, Iroh's Iroh. act, his words. It's this show does a beautiful job of showing you the simple act of caring about someone can make the biggest change in mm-hmm. their life and Iroh being there for Zuko this is one of the first moments and definitely not the last it just it's one of the biggest helps for I or for Zuko mm-hmm. it it's so important that Iroh is there for him and he apologizes um, to Iroh and Iroh says your apology is accepted and that's oh, I love that yeah it's such a so nice it's not just like you don't have to be sorry no yeah. He accepts his apology, you know? And I love, I also love another, like, really important, like, moment in handling things and sh- showing children how to handle these things. Uh, Aang 
you know, Katara say, I mean, it's a little, in my opinion, slightly clunky of a way to express it, but I think it works. Katara saying, I don't think you're going to have those nightmares anymore. It's like, yeah, though. I mean, like, I, I like facing and accepting the guilt that you feel helps you yeah, move forward. If, if he has a nightmare, it won't be a nightmare of guilt next time he'll. Right. He doesn't, yeah, Because exactly. he's talked it out and processed it, which is so important. And you know what? Uh, Absolutely. Another thing I wanted to highlight is that this episode uh, was directed by a woman, which I think is partially... I was going to say the same thing. ...why it t- uh, understands like emotional maturity <laughs> in such a good way and expresses it so well. Lauren McMullen. I believe is how you say that. She knew exactly what moments were the important ones and how to, you know, because in an animated show like this, I'm sure there's a lot of planning. Um, mm-hmm. And the simple decision of making a conversation about growth being the highlight rather than an action scene on in the storm and a lightning bending move. Mm-hmm. It just says a lot. The flashbacks with Zuko and his past and, like those those little artistic moments, like all of that are decisions that really do make this episode easily, if not the best, one of the best episodes. It's easily one of the most memorable yeah. because it, it means so much. Mm. And beyond all of those little things, I last thing I wrote down, which I think is funny and I want to mention, this show kills it with fashion. <laughs> Every character on this show has a dope outfit and the reoccurring ones obviously are, you know, they're traveling so they have like one outfit or whatever. That's fine. I get it. It's it's an animated show. I'm not going to ask you to draw them new. But all the new characters that show up have wildly different outfits. Yeah. This fisherman has two or three outfits throughout yeah. this episode and they're all very cool. Like his first one is like a green jumper with like his hat and then he changes into like a fishing like it's like clearly like useful for fishing and I don't know just things like that are most shows don't do that most shows will give a character jeans and a t-shirt or if it's in this world they'll get you know every waterbender would have basically the same stuff and every but like when you really look there are little details in every single character's outfit that make you go oh I bet he's this or I bet he does that you know Mm -hmm. oh he's got a He's literally got like an axe hanging from his belt. He probably right. is, you know, whatever. Yeah. I, it's just cool. Totally. And this show, this episode made me realize that like I've been noting outfits a lot. And mm-hmm. that's just because it's an element of of animation that you don't have to care about. But they do yeah. just like everything else in this show. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure there's a lot of influence in those outfits as far as like we've noticed the Buddhism and the. Mm-hmm. Uh, influences from other cultures, Japanese cultures, Korean cultures. Like, I feel like there's probably we'll a lot of cool references in clothing. Yeah. I'm trying. Yeah, we'll try it's hard to find that, that in, stuff in later episodes. Yeah, uh, I think we should. I think it's important. Um, we uh we both have had a lot to say about this episode because what an episode. But we should get to kid moment of the week. Kid moment of the week. This one was a harder one. Yeah. A lot of the jokes in this episode were pretty mature. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, um honestly yeah. one of my kid moments wasn't uh that's really funny but it just ended up being like a funny kid moment that was also really badass mm-hmm. is iro bending lightning ah, yeah it kind of felt like a kid moment in how they right. pulled it off with like a oh i'm all burnt up now <laughs> right. 
Yeah. But it was like the coolest thing I've ever seen. So that might be yeah. a twist on the kid moment of the week because it wasn't necessarily actually funny, but it was played off as a kid moment. Ooh, I, might, I might have to agree with that. I was going to say the moment in the cave where the old lady finds them and then they go and they're like, I'm going to go. I'm coming with you. I'm staying here. <laughs> oh yeah or even the old man being like i'm not i don't right. want to die either yeah <laughs> i think those are both probably funnier but actually as far as kid moment i think i'm going with yours i think i agree with you this think, time yeah. uh, all right i'd say uh i'd say i'll stick with the two yeah so, yeah. yeah that can be the kid moment of this week i wrote uh wide eye blinking and frizz haired after shooting redirecting Doing one of the lightning. coolest things we've ever seen yeah. yeah well uh thank you all so much for listening to this podcast and for watching avatar and thinking critically about it and why it's so compelling and awesome uh i hope you do take some time to check out some of the black artists that we mentioned in the first portion of this episode and let us know what other artists we need to be checking out because lord knows uh i have time and uh motivation and interest in you know and that's not just uh visual and audio we want to read too so i realize i don't think we touched on some of the books we've been reading which we can do next episode but if you have suggestions i am about to be going on a bit of a road trip i think and hell yeah could use some reading material yeah um you you can also check out i won't read and drive i'll just (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) unless this is an audiobook which is fine yeah exactly Uh, you can also check out our actual play dungeons and dragons podcast with our friends dustin and sam called legendary four adventures i've put a lot of time into editing that as well and trying to make it entertaining um and keep the pace you know going all right and uh i hope you like that as well let us know also what you think you can comment on this, these episodes and those episodes on legendary4.com and you can find all of this on iTunes and Spotify which you probably already know because you're listening to it right now so <laughs> yeah well thanks so much uh, next episode should be coming out on schedule on Wednesday uh, I'm Calvin and I'm Gary thanks for listening alright